Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I am Joe Rocky, here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, what I wanted to embark on this cast and the next couple about would be virtues for us to carry forward that will both improve our lives and, you know, be able to be better examples of Jesus on his mission. Um, and just to have a, a glowing sense, you know, the, the closer that you get to God, the better the relation is. But we've all kind of know that we tend to hang out with people who are like us. So one of the ways we've described this in the past is making yourself more holy and that every individual can do that. And one of the ways that we do that is living a virtuous life. So the goal of this kind of mini series is going to be talking about an individual virtue and then moving forward with it about how it can implement our lives, what it means to us and how to make it work. So for this first one, I figured it would be a good starting point to start off with humility. And obviously you're going to know much more about that than I could. So I'll let you have the floor and we'll go from there. Wonderful, Joe. I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to talking about the virtues a little bit more. Uh, let me just say something about the virtues in general. We've talked about this before, but I think it's always worth uh, reiterating. You know, if we think about the way that our psychology works, our, our minds, our feelings, uh, our, and then our choosing, you know, the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we choose things, mind, our, our intellect, our will, and our sentiments. Uh, we know that sometimes we can be uh, moody and, well, I feel like it, I don't feel like it. Sometimes the way that we think can be a little bit more focused or can be a little more flimsy, like we're just kind of our minds all over the place. And when we start to align our thinking and our feeling in a way that's a little bit more consistent and stable and is oriented to what is good, that's really the key. When we arrange our thinking process and our feelings so that they're really attracted and drawn to what is good so that we can more easily choose what is good. That's what we call virtue. That's a habit. It's a habit of, uh, of, of thinking and feeling and choosing what is good. And then we do that in different ways, whether it's, uh, well, choosing what is good and also resisting what is evil. So rejecting what is evil, choosing what is good. When that gets twisted around and we are in a habit of choosing what is bad, that's what we call vice. So being in the habit of choosing what is good. And the nice thing is called virtue. And the nice thing about virtue is that it kind of builds on itself so that it becomes uh, easier and easier. We do it with greater joy and uh, with greater speed to choose what is good. We can think about it in relation to uh, muscles. I remember my my brother who never really liked to run. He was always a, a wrestler and running long distance just wasn't something they focused on as much, obviously to build endurance, but not really worrying about form and stuff like that. And then he got serious about wanting to do some long distance running and he had to retrain himself to kind of run on his toes. I don't remember exactly how what the mechanics were, but the point is that to build up that process, it was awkward at first. 
and he had to kind of train himself and practice it and develop it. But now it would be hard for him to not run that way. It would be hard for him to, to run the way that he did, which was bad form between his arms and his legs and, you know, the way that he, he moved uh, through that. We could think about it in terms of touch typing or playing the piano or something else. We develop these habits that our bodies just start to function this way around uh, a proper habit, a proper behavior. And when we apply that concept to doing what is good, it's like I can't think in a different way. I have to think in a way that's, that's thinking through a problem and finding the best solution, uh, the one that's going to be the greatest good and the virtue of, of prudence. Or that, um, you know, when I'm, I'm facing some difficult situation, um, maybe with fasting, you know, and my, my stomach grumbles and it's difficult, and, but I've developed a habit, a virtue of fasting. And so I know how to carry through with that. And I can do it more easily. I can do it with, more, with less resistance, less, uh, less slowly. And, and, and it's more joyful. It's a better experience. Um, so just to give that little overview about virtues. And then the virtue of humility is, is a little bit of a unique one because it's kind of the ground, it's the foundation, it's the platform on which all of the other virtues really grow out of. And charity would be the other uniquely Christian virtue. And in a certain way, we can summarize the Christian life with humility and charity. Humility is the ground, the foundation, and charity is the height that we, that we reach for in all of our practice of the good. Uh, so the virtue of humility is really recognizing who we are. To say it in a simple way, humility is truth. And when we're honest about who we are, that opens up a lot of other things for us. The, the virtues are always in between, are always a middle ground between two extremes. The extremes would be thinking we are less than what we are or thinking that we are more than what we are. Pride is in, in thinking that we are more than what we are and uh, a sort of self-hatred or self-deprecation is in thinking that we are less than what we are. But to really know who we are before God. And the reality is that we are very weak, fragile. We can die at any moment. We, we didn't create ourselves and we can't keep ourselves in existence. Uh, we're, we're very weak, limited creatures. And that's the kind of uh, bad news we might say. But then uh, the truth is also as Christians, we are beloved children of the Heavenly Father. So we have this really lowly nature. We're made from the dust. We're weak creatures. We uh, are affected by, by moods, and we are made of this kind of fleshy substance, uh, much less than the angels. And yet we are also infinitely loved by God as his own children. So both of that is part of truth, and both of those things really fit into humility. So I'm not really being humble by making myself less than what I am, ignoring or forgetting the fact of how loved I am by God. I'm not 
being humble when I think I'm more than I am, as if I'm amazing in myself, and I forget that, well, I'm just a lowly creature, and my life could could just fade away, and maybe in the grand scheme of things, I'm not going to make it into history books and you know Wikipedia pages or something like that. I'm just not that important for the the functioning of the world, and yet I have this infinite value in the eyes of God. So holding on to those two poles is really key for humility. The balance between those two things is so vast. You know, it's. It's exactly as you said, is is to be true to yourself is very hard because you, know, you can see the extremes upon either side, being too hard upon yourself, thinking that, that you're nothing and and that you're fighting a borderline depression or being too far the other way where you're too full of yourself and you're captain arrogance. And, you know, they're, so... To keep that middle ground is definitely an important pull to anchor us with. Um, I definitely see that, and, and I think that you see a lot of problems when you get to the other sides, um, too far down one extreme or the other. Um, I think we all can think of a lot of examples um, that we see in our everyday life that that would be an example of that, and it just doesn't seem to be a healthy way to to live, let alone to to be a, a person of God, just to, to physically live that way, just doesn't seem like mentally profitable in any capacity. So uh, one of the things we want to do was turn to the next step about how to do this better. We've, we've identified the issue now. If we could talk about how to do this right and how to do it well. Yeah. And, and uh, when it comes to humility, one of the great teachers of humility is St. Benedict. I'm a Benedictine monk, Benedictine priest, and we follow the rule of St. Benedict. And the longest chapter in the rule is his chapter on humility. He gives a 12-step program for humility. Long before we had 12-step programs, St. Benedict had a 12-step program for humility. And he described the, the paradox in Christianity that he envisions a ladder rising up to heaven, how do you climb up that ladder to heaven? By lowering yourself in humility. <laughs> he who humbles himself will be exalted. He who exalts himself will be humbled. That's quoting from Jesus. So St. Benedict said, this is the way that we rise to heaven is by really humbling ourselves. And, and so one concrete expression of that is that we become more dependent on God. When we humble ourselves, we realize our weakness. We realize how limited we are as, as human beings, as creatures. And we realize how dependent we are on God's grace. And we say, you know, I can't, I can't make it through this day without prayer. I can't make it through this day without divine intervention. I can't make it through this, this day without God's help. I can't accomplish this project simply on my own. St. Benedict tells us, begin every good work in prayer. And God will bring that good work to completion. I realize in humility how limited I am. And so that helps to open me to divine grace. We talked in our last podcast about novenas. You know, one of the wonderful things about novenas is just recognizing I need help. I need God's help. I can't do this on my own. When we take up intentions 
in, for our prayer that are much greater than we can simply accomplish by our own efforts, then we are humble. That's a humble thing to do. So praying, praying every day, even praying for God's help in things that we do regularly uh, on our own, as it were, really, we don't do anything on our own. Jesus says that in so many words in John chapter 15, without me, you can do nothing. And when we really internalize that fact, recognize that fact, I need God, you know, because I can't exist on my own. I'm only existing because God chooses to hold me in existence. It's humbling to recognize that. When I humble myself to recognize how deeply dependent I am, I am on God, uh, it helps me. I saw a, a talk, a guy was exploring the question of how many people does he need to thank for his morning cup of coffee? And he went through the entire chain of production from the guy that, that sold the seeds to the guy that grew the beans to the water that he had to get uh, to sustain that or the family that, that grew the beans to the ones who harvested them and then who had to roast them and then the person the people that were responsible for actually getting the beans from, you know, South America to North America, who had to fly them the plane and carry it on the truck. He went through this entire list of dependencies, what it takes to get a cup of coffee on his table. I think that includes the person that makes the, you know, the people that contribute to the electricity, to boil the water, that to get the water to his house, to make the pot that, you know, the whole thing. He came up with like 190 some people are involved in getting a single cup of coffee to his breakfast table. You know, that's, that's humbling to realize how incredibly dependent we are on so many people. There's something very beautiful about that. But it makes us realize also how vulnerable we are, how little we can do on our own, in fact. And sometimes we avoid that because we don't want to feel that vulnerable. We don't want to feel like, we want to feel like, oh, you know, if everything else falls apart, I can basically hold my life together. Oh, baloney. You know, there's just so little we do on a daily basis that we can actually do on our own. And so humility naturally flows into gratitude. When I realize I'm not doing it on my own, when I realize how much I need help, then I start to become grateful. For so many people who make it possible for me to do the things that I do, I, that I count on every day. So... In humility, practical ways, pray. Recognize we need God's help. We're getting God's help. Practical thing for humility, gratitude. Recognize how much we're receiving the help of others, how little we can do on our own, and how wonderful it is that we have so much assistance in the things that we're doing. Another important thing for humility, I'm emphasizing the limitations that we have as I mentioned, there's really two poles to humility. One is our very limited human nature. The other is the grace of God, which is such a gift for us, how loved we are. And so on that end of the spectrum, it's very good to pray in a way, not just asking for things, but recognizing how loved we are, that God has chosen us, especially for those of us who are baptized. We are baptized as children of God. We should never forget our baptism. Every day we should be grateful for the relationship that has been created through baptism. It's an incredible gift that we never could have earned. 
And it signifies, again, being made God's beloved children, being chosen. St. Benedict says in his chapter on humility that God is watching us every day. Not only did he create us, not only did he redeem us, not only did he give us a new uh, being in him, he dotes over us. He is just fascinated with us. He loves to look on us. He loves to care for us. He loves to support us. He's paying attention to us. He's watching us, watching over us every day. And St. Benedict says we should remember that we are always in God's presence. And that helps to humble us. On the one hand, it helps us, it helps keep us from doing evil. <laughs> because when we know someone's watching, it helps us to be a little bit more accountable and to not misbehave. That's the fearful end of it. But the beautiful end of it is, like a lot of children like to kind of show off for their dad, you know, we can develop that attitude of showing off for our dad. He's watching. He's paying attention. He's, he's helping us. He's reaching out to us. And uh, St. Benedict says he even sends his angels to report on us every, every, at every moment. There are angels who are watching us and kind of writing down, you know, they're reporting on us. Oh, oh, look, he did that. Oh, he said that. Oh, look at that, you know. And if we have that sense of being watched, of being in relationship, then it can bring out the, the best in us. I want to, oh, I want to be recorded well. You know, don't we smile and kind of primp up our hair a little bit when we know that we're going to be on film. Somebody's taking a picture and so we, you know, put on our best face. Well, we are, why aren't we living like that all the time? Let's recognize that we are living in the presence of God. And so uh, St. Benedict encourages us to make that concrete uh, practice. And then he also says, remember the commandments all the time. And that's where it does a lot of good for us to remember our history, to remember what God has done for us, to remember the law that he has given us, to remember the relationship that he has placed us in. And that can be concretely remembering our own story of salvation. Do we even think about that? Our lives are set in a context of being in relationship with God. Um, one of our first podcasts, Joe, you shared how it is that you took a step in faith and that you, you started to have a deeper relationship with God and then how you came to be more committed in your own practice of the faith and then even desire to do uh, a podcast like the one that we're doing and then desire to share your faith and to help others to know how they are loved by God and what God wants from their lives. And uh, we feel more energized when we think about what God has done for us in our own personal salvation history. So it's very good for us to take stock of that, to remember that, to take, take note of that in our experience. And, and then even to share it. It's a, I always love asking that question when I meet new people. Tell me about how you came to get married, right? We always, we like to hear those stories. How did you, how did you meet? How did the two of you meet? You know, we like to hear those stories. And sometimes married couples are, are renewed by sharing that story and, and saying, gosh, you know, there was a lot of grace that went into that. Uh, I remember how wonderful it was at the beginning. I remember what it was like to fall in love. All of that is a part of humility. It puts us in a posture of, of receptivity, not thinking that we are masters of our own lives or masters of the universe, like everything is on our control, not puffing ourselves up in judgment and looking down on others 
as if we're better than everybody else, not thinking that we're just kind of super important and and amazing, able to do whatever we want, but recognizing, gosh, I've received a lot of gifts. My life, my vocation, my redemption, so many gifts. When we can put ourselves in a posture of gratitude, recognizing the gifts that we've received, remembering our own kind of personal history, those are great practices of humility. And I'll just mention one more, and I'll let you jump back in, Joe, for any, any follow-up points. But another wonderful practice of humility that's identified by St. Benedict in his uh, chapter on humility is to consider everyone else as better than yourself. In fact, St. Paul and even Jesus himself mentioned these points. Consider others as greater, as better than yourself. And that's not a matter of putting yourself down so much as raising others up. Okay, if you feel like you're pretty good at something, look at others as, as better than yourself. There's something that happens in our hearts when we are in the position, in the presence of somebody that we consider greater. I like to use the Pope as an example. You know, most people kind of have a sense of, gosh, if I were in the presence of the Pope, how differently I would behave. I wouldn't uh, say, hey, you Pope, you know, come on over here. Uh, I wouldn't start ordering people around and, and thinking I'm amazing and everybody needs to serve me. I would be very humbled to be in his presence or whoever it is that makes you feel humbled, you know, maybe the president of the United States or maybe the, if you're a big baseball player, you know, you think about the, the greatest baseball player in the country right now, what would it be like to be in his presence? Wouldn't you feel really humbled by that? Well, if we can treat him that way, what would it be like if we treated everybody that way? What if, what would it be like if we had that kind of humble posture in the presence of the the, the maintenance guy or in the presence of our spouse, you know, or in the presence of our, of our children or the presence of our neighbor, what would it be like if we had that humble reverence for someone thinking of them as being greater than ourselves? Because, you know, uh, in, in some area or another, everybody is greater than us. Now in, in baseball, you know, there's a better baseball player. In the church, there's a person in a higher office. In uh, selling houses, you know, there's a better construction worker or there's a better house salesman. And in, you know, whatever realm, there's somebody who's better. And if we recognize, you know, I can be very humble before every professional athlete. They're all better than I am. Mm -hmm. And I feel humble in their presence. And uh, if I if I kind of take keep that attitude of, you know, it, in many areas there are people who are better than I am, and so if I'm sort of feeling elitist or I'm feeling like I'm uh, better than other people, I'll let myself I can let myself be humbled by remembering there are a lot of areas where I can't even begin to compete, and that keeps a balance again the, to see ourselves in truth. Humility is truth. So those are just a few concrete practices. Yeah, one of the thoughts that came to mind from that was the expression of, I didn't know how good it was until it was gone. Mm. And that's kind of what you're getting at there is, now on the same hand, un well, fortunately and unfortunately, is that God's love so infinite that you're never going to realize how great his love was because right. it's not going to go away. So... 
in some regards, it's like gravity that you, you're never really going to get an opportunity to realize how important it was to see the, the error of your ways as far as, you know, ruining a relationship and them leaving your life because God always cares and comes back. And in every other relate in every human relationship we have with each other, that's always a possibility. Um, as we've talked before, we're very frail. We can disappear and die. You can just upright get in a fight and stop talking to someone and have relationships just in general deteriorate. But if God's always trying to be with you, you'll never truly have what it is like to be away from him here on earth. And that's a, um, that's something that I think that the purpose of humility of what you're trying to get across is telling us is that don't take everything he's giving you for granted. And, and yes, on the one hand, recognize that, that without him, you couldn't be anything, but he wants you here. And then to keep right on that narrow line of right there in the middle of the truth. Um, so that was, that was the key takeaway I, I took from you there. Um, I know that that we're getting towards the end of the cast here today, and I know that you can talk all day about this. Um, but uh, if there's any concise last thoughts that you have to uh, to give to everyone as we carry forward in our week, there's a, a wonderful work by Saint Bernard of Clairvaux, in which he took the twelve steps of Saint Benedict on humility and he reversed them, and he looked at the twelve steps of pride. Uh, mm-hmm. So the last step of humility would be the first step of pride. We uh, ascend the ladder through humility. We descend the ladder through pride. So he said, what's that, that top rung? You know, where do we take that first step down? And he said, the first step of pride is curiosity. And it's a kind of, um, it's a kind of nebby curiosity. I think Pope Benedict, or, uh, St. Benedict would have liked the, that Pittsburghese word nebby. Mm-hmm. It's a, uh, you know, you get your nose in people's business that isn't really your own. What right do you, you don't have a right to know everything. And when we, there's, there's a lot of nebbiness. There's a lot of that first step of pride in our culture. We're always sticking our nose into things. You know, we, oh, you know, what's going on? What's the gossip? What's the rumor mill? You know, what's the, go, the latest gossip? What's, and, the, and the six o'clock news almost becomes like a rumor mill sometimes, you know, where mm-hmm. people just kind of sticking their nose into things and, and I want to, oh, I want to look this up. And the, and the internet culture and the social media culture can really uh, cultivate that attitude too. Oh, I'm going to follow this thread. I'm going to look that thing up. I'm going to look. And we can have a, an unhealthy curiosity that leads us in pride. What, why do you have a right to know everything? Why do you have a right to know this person's private business? Why do you have a right to know uh, everything that's going on in you know, somebody's life? Ah, Humbly, humility is also focusing on what is our task? What's my part? I don't necessarily need to know how everything functions. I need to know what I need to do. And, and just humbly carrying out our own role in the grand scheme of things is a, a real important application of humility. So I just leave that as a little thought. I've been chewing on that and paying attention to that for a lot of years, how that unhealthy curiosity is really the first step of pride and can start to lead us in some, some pretty unhealthy directions. So just the last little thought for our listeners. Absolutely. You think about how people can make it easier on each other just by putting way too much out there. 
But on that note, right. <laughs> we'd like to thank everyone out there for, for being with us this week. Please continue to tell your friends, as so many of you have. We Like I said, we're growing in ways that never really thought we would. So we thank everyone for it. Um, please Continue to please follow us on Twitter, and we will be with you here um, next week. Have a great week, everyone.